Hello and welcome to episode 8 of Risk and Reward, the golf podcast brought to you by Winning Edge Investments with the aim of keeping you on the right side of the punting ledger. My name's Rod Murray and while I know a little bit about golf, I know almost nothing about punting, which is why my job is to produce the recording and it's up to my co-host to take care of the tips. What makes him so qualified to do that, I hear you ask? Well, if I told you he'd been a golf pro for almost 50 years and a punter for even longer, it might give you some insight into the reams of knowledge he carries in his head on top of the almost endless data he studies to stay in touch with the game week to week. John Evans is his name, and to my great delight, he's sitting opposite me once again in our Sydney studios. Jay, how's your week been, and are you excited for the return of the PGA Tour after this incredible two-week off-season? Well, thank you, Rod, for the introduction. Um, I'm not as excited as I would like to be. Um, I think that uh, I must say that these early events, while I'm not in favour of them, I'd rather see this part of the year kept for foreign tours. The one thing about it is you do start to get some of the new young blokes coming out of the Corn Ferry or the Nationwide Tour. Corn Ferry, I think, is its current name. Um, and so there is an opportunity for punters. So I like it because of the opportunity for punters, but I'm not so impressed with it in terms of the future of professional golf. Globally. Exactly. Perhaps, yeah. Good for America. As a golf fan, it's actually a great time of year because you're right, you get to see of those that have graduated to the big tour, who's really got the game to go on with it. And so these last couple of months of this year are always interesting to see some of those names that most of the casual fans won't be familiar with. It's a two-tier game, golf, isn't it? There's the top 10 or 15 in the world and there's everybody else. And these are the everybody else's that we get to uncover at this time of year, which is nice, I think. Well, I think the other thing about it is, is that um – the way the markets are framed in general depends upon two factors. It depends upon their position in the OWGR, the official world golf rankings, and it depends upon their previous professional performance. And when you get some of these very good young amateurs coming out of the sticks, um, having no professional performance and effectively only an amateur world golf ranking rather than official world golf ranking, it means that they're going to be at long odds for at least a week or two until they can prove themselves. So they do represent an opportunity for people like us and people like you who are listening to this podcast and considering uh, trying to make a quid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so therefore, there's value in it from us. But as I said, um, a break would be nice. Now, just before we come to some of the selections, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, with the return of the US tour, are the markets better, John? You've been saying for the last couple of weeks they've been thin. Of course, Europe is the secondary tour in terms of uh, glitzy, big-time world golf and the LPGA a little bit behind that. Uh, does this improve the markets now that the, the big show is back in town? Uh, the markets on the KLM Dutch Open are still a bit thin, but uh, I, was, uh, I was surprised by the uh, potential for the markets and the Greenbrier. So, yeah, I'd have to say that um, there's a better opportunity, better prices, uh, and so the PGA Tour clearly has the greatest interest from a gambling perspective. Yeah, indeed, it's where the name players are. Uh, okay, well, we will come to the winning uh, to the selections in a minute, but before we do that, we've got to uh, do a bit of homework here. Judy Bound to w- mention the Winning Edge Golf newsletter because it is the reason that the podcast exists. J.E., this is your baby, so I want you to tell the listeners what they can expect if they subscribe, but don't tell them the price. Well, hold that back and I'll tell them because that's exciting news and it keeps me in a job. It gives me something to do. Uh, well... 
the first thing we do at Winning Edge Bets is we provide you with a five-year running total of all bets at the stake we recommend, and you can go back and check uh, in the on the Winning Edge Investments.com website about the performance of myself over that five and six year period and as a result of that performance and the fact that we win every year and we win considerable profits we guarantee that if you follow our bets exactly uh, and we and it's all it's all about our uh, uh, our staking plan and of course your initial book uh, or your initial bank and we guarantee that you will get your money back that you've paid for your subscription if you don't win. So we think that you'll definitely win. Uh, this year already we've tipped a $700 winner, $300 winner and $180 winner. Um, our subscribers so far this year are well on target. You, of course, might uh, commence your subscription this week or next week and we'll guarantee you'll win in the year that, or the three months that you subscribe. This is just the way that uh, our business works. We guarantee a profit. So you, you'll pay a fee, and obviously you'll have to have a sufficient bank to have a bet. Minimum bet's $5. So uh, give it a run. You get your money back if you don't win, and if you do win, of course, uh, you'll be a happy camper. And you'll be able to send some money. No, I'm only kidding. You'll be able to send some money. When you talk about your own uh, performance over the last five years, you're only talking about the betting there, aren't you, J.E.? Because let's be frank, mate, you've gone a little downhill in the last five years, haven't you? You've got a new hip on the horizon. Your golf's not what it used to be. You've solved the putting issues, (laughs) but the punting's been okay. (laughs) Punting's good. Putting's very good. Very good. The DFP, it's the greatest uh, invention in history, in in, in my view, in, in any golf club. Um. And uh, it solved my yips, but uh, now I can't hit it over my hat. Because <laughs> you're having trouble walking. Enough about all that. Now, if that's convinced you to sign up, that profit guarantee is quite remarkable. I would think it's probably almost unique uh, in the betting world, I would imagine, but uh, that is quite remarkable. But if that's convinced you to sign up, it's easy to do. There's links in the show notes. And if you don't know what show notes are, uh, they take you to the direct uh, sign-up page. Otherwise, head to winningedgeinvestments.com forward slash products and just scroll down until you find the golf newsletter. Now, here's the good bit. Well, it's two bits, actually. You've got the profit guarantee, but once you're on there and you sign up for the newsletter, use the code GOLF25 in the promo box and you'll get a 25% discount Account for the life of your subscription, uh, which is now I think it's 150 a month, isn't it, Jay? So what does it bring it down to? I can never yeah, work it this. Brings out. it down to 112.50. dollars fifty. The basic is, mathematics you were taught at school. Yeah, that's right. That's right. My mathematics were get the calculator out. No, I jest, of course. $112.50 a month instead of 150 for the life of your subscription. Get amongst it. And as Jay said, if you commit to it, it's only the three or 12-month subscriptions. You get the profit guarantee. You've got to sign up for a minimum of three months. Uh, so the three and 12-month packages get that, and that really does make it unbelievable value. Jay, enough of that madness. What happened last week with our bets before we move on to what we're going to bet on this week? I'm extremely disappointed in you, Rod. I wasn't going to mention that fact that we didn't have a winner last week, but you oh, it's only fair. To, it's only fair, isn't it? <laughs> you managed to uh, <laughs> slip managed it in there. Spoil my day. I'm but sorry. No, about we that. had a we had a very poor week last week. Um, none of our top twenty picks got hit. Is that the 
first. I'm like, no, you've only been doing that no, for five or six no, weeks, no, I think, no, haven't you? No, 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 we did have another losing week. We had another one. So it's not, a, it's not by no means a perfect system. But uh, as we've often said, it's the long term that counts. The In many ways, the top 20 bets, uh, they're not of uh, uh, great substance and they're basically just there because we're finding that we're winning at it over a period, um, well in front, in fact, uh, but they're not large returns. And, and this business is, for us is about giving you large returns over a period of your subscription, ideally over a year. Um, and you, as you know, or if, if you've listened previously, our tips can be at $1,000. We've actually got one today. We're going to talk about it, $1,250 each way. So it's all about big wins and the opportunity to crush or or leverage or arbitrage yourself into a position where you can win even if the if your chosen player doesn't win. So that's why we bet the big odds and we have demonstrated over a long period of time that we keep finding you a profit. Indeed. But it won't be every week. Like the share market, things go up and down, don't they? But at the end of it all, when you sell, you want to be in front of where you were when you bought. And that's the uh, the clue here today. So commiserations for that. Let's talk about the US Tour first. We're going to call this the Greenbrier Classic. I think the US Tour are calling it some sort of military tribute. No, they change the names of the tournament so often. Who can keep up? But it's at the Greenbrier. It's been on the tournament schedule for a long time, this tournament. Uh, it's one of the, one of the longest-running uh, tournaments on the schedule. And let's talk about – you've got a number of bets in there for subscribers, Steve. But podcast Pete, listeners don't get – Get all of your tips, obviously, or there'd be no point paying for the newsletter. Podcast Pete's got a couple here that are interesting. Brendan de Jong at $1,000 you've put in there, 0.1 yeah. units on Brendan de Jong's been a bit out of form, but uh, going back through his record at the Greenbrier, I found out that he'd run second and fourth about four or five years ago, and he did show a little bit of form about three or four weeks ago. So because of his form at... Uh, at the Greenbrier, Sam Sneed's old uh, old course. And, um, of course, we should remember that um, we had a Kiwi winner in Danny Lee here, and we also had Stevie Ooh. from Victoria. Steve, Steve Allen? No, Steve um, Longhitter. Longhitter Steve. Anyway, we'll think get his name in a minute. Sorry about that. I've got the Alzheimer's. <laughs> but, uh, As we said, know, your, your form of the last five years well, has been going down. Is, Brendan de Jong's from a Commonwealth country, but... From South Africa, but or Zimbabwe, I think he is. Zimbabwe, but, yeah. But uh, his previous form here at the Greenbrier has suggested that we put him in at the big odds of a thousand dollars. Fair enough, and a, a good a good ball striker. This course is a little bit unusual on the PGA Tour. It's actually an interesting course architecturally, isn't it? And it asks questions of the players that they don't get asked every other week on the tour. And that's why a player like De Jong can bob up here, whilst perhaps not performing so well elsewhere. He's a very good striker of the ball. He is, and uh, as I say, his previous record here was uh, was the uh, the catalyst. Yep. Steve who? One at the Greenbrier, Steve. From Victoria, yeah. Um, Big hitting Steve from Victoria. Off, he's off the, to- he's off the uh, tour now because of, he had some mental issues. Oh, Steve um, Bowditch. Steve Bowditch, yes. Yeah. Yeah, Steve Bowditch won there, and so did Danny oh, Lee. Oh, so. now, 
I don't think Steve Bowditch won there. He won twice in Texas, I'm going to say. Okay. We'll double check Wrong on that. But I don't doubt that he's played well there. Right? That, that Clayton will be on my Extraordinarily game. gifted player, Stephen Bowditch, and a real tragedy that he's off the tour. Uh, also this week, talking about Steve's and Steve's from Australia, Steve Allen. Now, a lot of people might remember the name Steve Allen, a former Australian Open winner. He won the tournament in 2002, I'm going to say, when it was played over 54 holes of Victoria. The first day famously cancelled because the greens were too quick and there was a pin position on the fifth hole, I believe which was basically unplayable. They called play for the day, and it was played over 54 holes the last three. And Steve Allen got up there. Rich, I remember Rich Beam walking off the course that day. <laughs> J.E. and the TV commentator said to him, uh, what, do you, what do you make of all this? And he said, I've never been called off the course before because the p- conditions were too good. <laughs> so it was, well, it was pretty a bit unlucky. I've been at two other tournaments that were called off at uh, Royal Melbourne when they put the pin on the, yeah. third at the f- third at, first at the east, the third at the composite. Yeah. Norman led them off, the didn't they? The hill. Yeah, Norman led them off. And in fact, Trevor Hurden, who's the doyen of uh, rules makers, was caddying for Greg Turner on that day, and he ran after the ball. <laughs> And when it got to its apex, he put the he coin marked down. It. He marked yep. it. Right? Now, there's a there's an argument to say that he was right, but I think if had Trevor Hurden been judging him himself... He <laughs> as a, as himself, a tournament director, he'd he be handing out a penalty. He might guilty on that day, but it also <laughs> happened at St. Clair on the fourth hole when if you didn't hole your putt, you had 10 or 11 putts. The green was so quick and the wind was blowing so strongly. So poor old Rich Beam, he was lucky, but I've played in two of them where it... Where it uh, where it's been called off, yeah, but anyway, when pros start taking Stevie five Allen. or six putts, you know that. So yeah, so he won that year, Steve Allen. He won on the European Tour, won the German Open. I think spent years bouncing between the US Tour and the secondary tour into his mid forties now, but always been he's probably not quite long enough, Je, to contend week in and week out. He's been to his mid forties, as I said, and that's probably the thing that. Uh, but a, a phenomenal golfer who's made a living for twenty five years playing the game, and that's a testament to his skill. He probably. And this was sort of uh, advice you probably don't want to hear, but he's probably actually better to be back in the European Tour where his overall skill level would probably be better rewarded. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he did pop up in the Australian Open out of nowhere. He's pre-qualified here this week. He's $1,000, and we've put him in uh, hoping that he'll pop up out of the woodwork again. Yep. Steve Allen anywhere at $1,000 is a bet that you should take. He's too good a player not to back at those kind of odds. So I'll go along with that. Now, here's something unusual, J.E. Bet365. Now, as, you, as most of the punters will know, we generally stick with just Betfair, but you've got something you've mentioned here on Bet365. First of all, why Bet365? And then we'll talk about why you've picked Shintaro Ban. Okay, well, the reason I... I, I always keep an eye out for the, uh, the players who are over $1,000 on other betting services um, because they're betting each way. And in this case, Shintaro Band, top amateur player, um, amongst a very, very fine group of amateurs, as we talked about last week. He's come into this tournament and they've put him up because of the parameters I discussed where he's an amateur, hasn't got an OWGR rating, and they've put him up at 12.50. Now, we haven't got the facility on... Bet 365 to bet back. They do have a facility uh, called Cash Out, which will enable you to take a profit, but it's not a particularly generous offer. So if he gets into contention, there's an opportunity to cash that bet at shorter odds. The real reason I've said to back him is because it's 12.50 each way, five places. So you can have um, $10 on him, 12,500 to 10, and a quarter of the odds, three thousand, 
one two uh, three thousand. Uh, <laughs> you reckon my right? maths was bad, eh? Three thousand twelve fifty. Three thousand uh, and twelve fifty to to ten dollars. The place, five places. That's unbelievable odds. So I'm suggesting to you that you take the each way on bet three six five. We won't be able to crash back. You could crash back on Betfair if you're prepared to put in the twelve grand, but um, <laughs> some of our subscribers will be able to do that, of course. But anyway, the point is, it's it's taking the odds where they're the best value. And at the time I put out the tips, Shintaro Ban and Stephen Allen weren't on the Betfair model, so we couldn't tip them there. So because of the opportunity to bet each way on Ban. I put him on bet three six five. I know I bang on about this, but that's that V word, isn't it? Value is what you're looking for. It's it's all about value, yeah. and and the value here is if you were to take the three thousand one hundred twelve fifty to twenty, in other words, the place value, putting your win bet, you're actually getting your win bet for nothing, and you and you've still got a fantastic place bet. Hmm. So, which is still effectively um, a thousand to one or eight hundred to one the place. Phenomenal odds. Yep. So that's why I've tipped to go on to bet 365. Yeah. You're not saying it's likely to happen or otherwise. You're just saying at those odds, <laughs> that's worth taking a bet on. It's more likely to happen Th- than, than the winner, at ten, which is, I think, uh, one length irons. Uh, Who's the favourite? DeChambeau, Bryson DeChambeau. DeChambeau's the favourite. If you can finish by Sunday. At, ten, at $10, <laughs> right? So you're better off to back this guy at the place at these odds each way than you are to back DeChambeau at $10. And that's what we're all about. Yeah, is the value. Value, that's the key to it. All right, that's it for uh, for America this week. And those tournaments will get bigger. You'll see some of the bigger names coming out over the next few weeks. They all tend to play one or two before the end of the year. But for the most part, we'll be dealing with names that people won't necessarily be familiar with. Let's cross the pond. The opposite is true in Europe as they head towards the Race to Dubai finale, their version of the FedEx Cup. You'll see more and more of the big-name players starting to play in the coming sort of weeks. The KLMW. Dutch Open JE. Let's start with you've gone with an Australian lefty here. Talk about a minority. Adam Bland at a thousand dollars. You've put the asterisk next to for podcast, Pete. Why? Adam Bland's a very consistent player. He's been making a lot of cuts, and he's been putting in some very very good rounds. And I thought to myself that Adam Bland, realistically, uh, compared with other players in the market, was about a three hundred to one chance. And I saw him pop up at $1,000, and I thought, you've got to follow this kid. He's he's an eyelash away from from being right up there and having a very, very strong performance. Let's hope it's this week at $1,000. Yep, nice bike too, really nice bike. So it would be good to see him do well. And the other one in the KLM Open for uh, the, the, the winning betting, James Morrison at $430. And most people won't have heard of James. Why? James Morrison's an Englishman who's, who's got a very, very steady record, also been uh, contending. And four hundred and thirty dollars is way over the odds. He's one hundred and fifty to one chance. So, so that as as you've discussed and and uh, no doubt our subscribers are aware, the whole point of this exercise is to continually provide value. We don't expect to back the winner every week. Uh, if we did, uh, clearly um, you wouldn't be here talking about it. No, <laughs> you'd no, be living on the island you'd no, bought, no, we just this enjoying for public it. Public service, right? <laughs> this is a public service, and we continue to do it because it's fun meeting with you and having lunch and a cup of coffee, and we'll continue to do it. But uh, the object is to provide continual value 
which means at the end of the year we don't have to pay your subscription back. Yeah, that's exactly, which is kind of the whole point of it, isn't it? Uh, top 20s, you've got a couple at the KLM Open here, and these are interesting bets. I like this top top 20 thing. When you look at the odds for the top 20s, you think consider most golf tournaments start with a field of 144 or 156. So the top 20 is you've got to play reasonably well to get there. But the odds I find that you seem to find each week are extremely juicy. Dimi Papadados is a very well-credentialed Australian player, more than capable of finishing top 20 on any given week. $15. Yeah, he's uh, Dimi's, and Dimi keeps making the cut. Um, uh, has to put um, four rounds together rather than perhaps three. But you've got to keep taking that $15. Um, He's a winner. He won the New Zealand Open. He's won tournaments here on the PGA Tour of Australia. So if he can get his nose in the frame, he can get the job done. Well, not only that, but his his record in Europe is very, very mm. good. I mean, fifteen dollars. He's a seven dollar chance. Yep, indeed. And Max Schmidt. Now you're going to have to educate me on this one because I'm not as familiar with Max Schmidt as you might be. Well, we got a few Maxes and we got a few Matthias's and we got a few Germans <laughs> all with the same name Schmidt or Schmidt or Schmott or, or whatever. But. Um, I suppose Schmidt is as popular as Smith is in England, um, but he's he's again a, a consistent top twenty-five performer, and should be probably four dollars based around the fact that he's a consistent top twenty-five performer, and we're putting him in at nine dollars eighty. So uh, I just think that's uh, very good value. We've we've got some obviously we've got other. Uh, Tips for subscribers, Steve. We've got four other tips for the top 20 here, and we've got another 10 or 12 for the winners of the KLM Dutch Open. But we're trying to tantalise you and uh, let you make a profit here, which you can reinvest. Well, we want Podcast Pete to have a win so that he can become subscriber Steve, don't we? The more Podcast Pete's we we can turn into subscriber Steve's, the better. Well, we did get a win with Podcast oh, Pete very early on, and and. Uh, and I think we've had a couple of top 20 winners with Podcast Pete, so he's going along okay. He's not doing but, too bad. But Subscriber Steve is uh, is is having a, a much better run, as you would expect, um, and that's why you're paying your fee, <laughs> which will be refundable if you don't win. As long as you're on for three or 12 months. Now, uh, well, I went off a little bit early last week. I thought the Solheim Cup was on last week. That's my mistake. I've been doing too many other things and not keeping up with the golf. There was a lot of hype about the Solheim Cup this week, last week, but of course, the Solheim Cup is on this week, J. I'm going to suggest to you it'll be the best viewing, or it's a very good chance to be the best viewing golf for the week. Those team match play events always seem to produce plenty of drama and excitement. Forget about all that, though. They're an interesting betting sort of a proposition, aren't they? Now, you had some odds last week on the some of the early odds on the Solheim Cup. Talk me through what you were suggesting about the odds last week and where they've ended up this week? Well, I thought that um, the European team, they're at home. They've got Beanie uh, as their coach, manager, captain. Uh, Very astute, wonderful match player in our own right. They're playing at Glen Eagles, which is uh, the home course for, for a number of the Scottish players in the team. I thought that the $2.70 for the European team was luxury. Um, I've got them a slight favourites, 10 to 9 on. And uh, the American team, they've lost uh, Stacey. Uh, she's pulled out for, for an injury. Six rookies, J.E., in a team. Does it matter? We talk it up, but 
there's nothing else to talk about in the lead-up. Does it matter? Is it is it legitimately a concern for the US? Oh, well, you're not going to know until they're on the first tee and hit the first tee shot. It certainly mattered at uh, the French course. They played the Ryder Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, all of them are very well credentialed, the American team. You don't chop your way there. You've got to be a player to get on the team. Yeah, well, that's right. But, uh, but uh, you know, I, I like what Beanie's done. She's brought in Susan Pedersen, who, as you reminded me, should have won the US Open. Um She's been practising hard. She's been off for, uh, I think, pregnancy. And so she's back in their team. It's a pretty good team. And whether you uh, keep an eye on the ladies' golf, and I hope everybody does because it is fantastic to watch, the European girls have started to perform at the very top level. They've had the winner of the um, the British Women's Open. Um, and the Americans, to be fair are not the dominant players in world golf. The Koreans are. So what we're talking here about is, is the current European team on the ascendancy better than the chosen American team on previous performance? And I think they are. So that's the winning bet. I would be backing them at $2.70. I think that's, as I say, I think the right odds are $1.95. Now come back to the real bet, the one that we had hoped would be hit. Last week, early on, because we looked at the market early on, the market for the draw or the tie was, I think, $18 to back and $300 to lay. So I recommended that you put a bet on at $300 to tie. And as it turned out, that didn't get hit. But it could have been, and that would have then represented a phenomenal opportunity for you to bet back and before the event where you'd taken the 300 or even $200 to tie, and that's now a very firm 1650 to, to back and 1750 to lay. I think it's a lay myself at six $17.50. I don't think that the tie's 50 to 1, but, you, you know, everything's got to go right for a tie. I think there's got to be a half and... It's a pretty unusual. Yeah, that's right. Everything's a, set up to not have a tie. It's rocking horse. Yeah, you know, it does happen. And it happened once when Nicholas gave a putt to um, Tony Jacklin. But it doesn't happen very often. And I think that the right odds are about 50 to 1. So I'm suggesting a lay. We're not going to tell you to do that fundamentally in the book. But if I had enough money, let's assume you had $175 in your account... You put that $175 down to win 10 I think that's a good bet. Hmm. That's a tip just for podcast, Peter. I remember there was a President's Cup tie in 2003, I'm going to say, where they just shared it. Do you remember that? Woods and Ells went at it. They were they were remarkably drawn out of the envelope on each side to be the tiebreakers. I think they played two holes. Both made unbelievable putts for the half, and then Nicholas and Player said, let's just shake hands and call it Cup shared. Well, I think that um, there's a lot of merit in that. Because I do too. Um, the concept of a tie, when all avenues have been expended, mm. is a great idea. It should have happened in the World Cup of Cricket. <laughs> I didn't mean I to open that, that can of worms. Could I get onto that? If you heard that but, noise, that was a can of worms opening and J.E. getting in there to stir freak. them. But anyway, <laughs> the point is that the, the tie, sometimes an honourable tie, which was what Nicholas agreed to with Jacqueline, yeah. is a fantastic thing. It shouldn't go back to the people who hold the cup. It should be held by both parties. Now, but the likelihood of a tie, given the situation that Europe are going to be, in my view, leading, is unlikely. 
I couldn't agree more. But it will be fantastic viewing either way, and uh, let's see if we can have the a pressure. Win. Will be on, and that might be where the six the rookies debutants, where yeah. that becomes an issue. Yeah, the difficulty of the captain is pairing the rookies with somebody who's got some experience to try and keep them calm. That's been the the common thinking, hasn't it? That you want a veteran with a rookie so they can sort of hold their hand until they get used to. Because every player who's played in a Solheim or a Ryder Cup, in particular, says to a person. It's like no other pressure they've ever felt, despite winning or contending in majors, that it's a completely different pressure and it can catch them off guard, which if you've got to that level, you're not used to. Well, that's true, but remember this. You can't have anyone holding your hand on the last day. No, that's, that's singles. singles. That's right. So that's where the pressure might mount, and yep. I agree with you. The pressure of dropping the ball with the try line evident <laughs> when, the, when you're in the last minute of the game and you needed the try to either win or tie is phenomenal. And so these players, if the, if the game is close, are going to be coming down with two or three holes to play. And we've seen collapses prior. I think there was one at the Belfry uh, where, the player, where a player, one or two players collapsed when it was necessary for them to stand up. So, uh, and we've seen a lot of players that have collapsed in the last few holes when their life was on the line. So with the Solheim Cup on the line, will the six new Entries for the American team be able to handle the pressure. We'll find out. Stand up. That's your, your two motivations in life, aren't they, J.E.? Is it fear of failure or desire for success? Which is the stronger? And that's kind of what separates the winners, isn't it? The the Woodses and the Michael Jordans from either the very good or the not so good. Exactly. There's also the fear of success, which can hold you back also. But, but in this particular case, it won't be fear of success that bothers these people. It'll be the, it'll be the fear of failure and being the one blamed by the media for that failure. And letting your teammates down. You, you just don't get the chance to play team golf almost ever, and to have that on you, I mean, it brought Kalkovecchia to tears at Kiwa Island in 91. He was on the beach bawling like a three-year-old child, apparently, uh, after giving up five, five of the last six holes. Well, the so other example, of course, is Eamon Darcy, an old mate of mine, um, who has benefited enormously financially from the fact that he was able to hold an almost impossible six-foot down putt at Muirfield, downhill putt at Muirfield Village to win the Ryder Cup for the first time for Europe. And Jack Nicholas, when he walked off the green, said to, to Eamon, he said, you're the only player in that team who I think could have held that putt, which I thought was a pretty good <laughs> rap. It's a nice thing to have had said to you by Jack Nicholas, isn't it? Exactly. Uh, he, might be, he might have been the only other bloke at the course who could have held the putt himself. J.E., enough of our reminiscing. Uh, it'd be great to watch the golf unfold this week with your information in back of mind. We'll keep an eye on all of those players that we've mentioned today and for those of us who've got access to the newsletter, all of those we haven't mentioned today. Been terrific to catch up with you. Thank you for your time. And thank you, right again, and uh, to our uh, subscribers and to the podcast, Pete Listers. Um, all the best for the week. If you get a chance, watch the last day at least of the Solheim Cup. Cup. You'll yeah. enjoy it as much as any other week of the year. If it was if it's anything like the last one where that match between Norquist and Thompson, it was just fireworks from the first hole to the 18th green. It was just phenomenal stuff. Episode 8, Risk and Reward in the books. Hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed talking. We will be back to do it all again next week here on Risk and Reward. Thank you.